As mentioned by Andrew, uh, we are New Life, where we gather together for the glory of God and the gospel of grace. And it is great to be with you this morning. My name is Young, pastor here at New Life. Uh, a special welcome back to Sejuna team. I believe uh, all of you are back uh, from Sejuna, and so it's great to uh, have you guys back, and hopefully we'll hear more from the Sejuna team uh, about how the missions went. Uh, we'll hear some testimonies in the weeks to come. Uh, so maybe you can discuss amongst yourselves who will share uh, a testimony at a coming service. Um, how about I pray for us, and then we'll get into the message for today. <clears throat> Uh, Father, we turn to you and we greatly value and give thanks for the freedom that we have in you, God. Uh, truly, you have set us free from our sins, from our past lives, that we might live a new life with you, that we might live a new life as part of your household. And so we pray, Lord, that we would not take this freedom for granted, uh, but that we would receive this freedom and that we would use it the way that you call us to. And we know, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, we have guidance always to live wisely and to live in ways that glorify your name. And indeed, we long to do this as we gather together each Sunday, as we continue to meet together throughout the week, and as we continue to live lives that really speak of your goodness, uh, that, that preach of your gospel. So we pray that you would do this in our lives. We pray that you would change our hearts we pray, Lord, that you would make us into a confessional and repentant people that seek to always turn our lives around and to seek you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that this message, this, uh, this passage from 1 Corinthians 9 can do the same for us, can turn us around uh, to face you and to seek you and to keep our eyes upon you. Would you help us to love you? Would you help us, Lord, to open our eyes to the truth that you have for us? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> There's this uh, weird tether that kind of exists somewhere along the line between evangelism and the reality of the Christian life. You know, when I first started sharing with people about my uh, conversion to Christianity, when I first became a Christian and I started to share about these things, I remember my workmates at that time, they couldn't quite wrap their heads around what that meant. You know, like, why are you sharing these things with us? And they would try to figure out, what am I trying to get at? And I was talking to them about salvation and the joy that I was experiencing. But they were asking me about restrictions, about what you can't do anymore. These are the things that really intrigued them about Christianity. It makes sense as well, because these were the friends that I was getting drunk with every week, you know, sometimes on a daily basis. And then suddenly, I show up to work after a weekend away at a church camp, and everything's different. I'm not joining them at the pub anymore after work. And so they start asking me, what's changed? Why are you so different? And so I talk to them about Jesus and this newfound freedom that I have in this new life with Jesus. But the questions inevitably came back to, what aren't you allowed to do anymore then? As a Christian, what aren't you allowed to do? And quite often the focus was on drinking because this was, well, this was kind of our own, uh, only uh, common thing, common ground. If I told them, at that point that I'd rather give up drinking than allow someone else to stumble over my actions. Well, they would ask, what kind of freedom is that? The Apostle Paul, he would certainly have gone through similar questions 
You know, last week as we uh, ended the sermon, we talked about stumbling others due to idols, and we finished with this verse from chapter 8, verse 13. Therefore, if food causes my brother or sister to fall, I will never again eat meat so that I won't cause my brother or sister to fall. Paul talked about giving up meat entirely. He talked about basically never eating meat ever again in his life rather than risking a brother or sister stumbling due to his exercise of freedom. And the Corinthians might ask, what kind of freedom is that? How do you define freedom? What is it that you imagine when you think of Christian freedom, freedom in Christ? Because this is a phrase that we hear quite often. We're free to live. We have freedom in Christ. What's the image that comes to your minds? In recent years, the question of freedom has become more and more of a question that comes to the table for discussion, quite strongly in America, due to the nature of what freedom means to this country. The unrest, the discussion around things like gun violence, as that becomes more and more of a news item every single day, those looking for reform and gun control, while others talk about their freedom to own guns. But we're not immune to this kind of debate here in Australia either. There's freedom and rights issues when it comes to things like vaccination, for example. It's been a hot topic for the last couple of years, especially due to the global pandemic. But let's get it out there. Beyond the freedoms that some might talk about when it comes to these more fringe issues that might not affect our everyday, Australia's got a drinking culture. Australia has got a gambling culture. And Australia has got a casual sex culture. These are the things that affect us day to day. And these go hand in hand as well. You often see pubs with pokies attached. You can't go to a pub without seeing pokies. We associate sports events with beer and with betting. Drunkenness and revelry and money, they link inevitably to sex. And there's an abundance of these things in our culture today. Now, we'd be crazy to think that these things don't have an effect on us in the church. If you grow into a culture that tells you that something's normal, then the opposite, well, by definition, it will become abnormal. And I'll state plainly first, we've already gone over sex in the last section of our First Corinthians series, One in Body. You can listen to these sermons from October and November. But the summary is that sex is God's good gift inside the bounds of marriage only within the bounds of marriage, and we're free to enjoy it within marriage. And again here, some might ask, free? Well, what kind of freedom is that if it's only with one partner in the bounds of marriage? The freedom that Jesus Christ has bought us is not freedom to do whatever we please. This is where we kind of go wrong quite often. Can you imagine that the new life that we experience now, it's defined by our old paradigms of how we live? No, it's not. But it's freedom to serve God and others by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's freedom to live as we should rather than as we just want to. We're set free when those that are not in Christ read the Bible or think about the Christian life all they can see are rules and regulations. As if the Bible is just some sort of rule book that tells you what you can and can't do. 
a veil lies over their hearts. 2 Corinthians 3 tells us this, but for us, the veil is removed and there is freedom. And Paul, more than anyone, recognizes these things, the divine freedom that he has in Jesus. He says in Philippians 3 that he was circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. He's accustomed to keeping the law. All the rules and regulations that the Pharisees observed, he's done them perfectly, he says. And so when he began to follow Jesus, can you imagine the level of freedom that he experienced? He knew the incredible privilege of the freedom to live by the Spirit rather than the normal expectations of the world. And Paul's aware of the freedoms and the rights that he has now. He knows that he has the right to eat and drink. He says so in verse 4. He knows that he has a right to marriage to a believer. He says so in verse 5. And he knows that he has a right to being paid for his ministry work. And he talks about all of this, and he quotes from Deuteronomy 25 when he says, Am I saying this from a human perspective? Doesn't the law also say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. That's the Deuteronomy verse. Is God really concerned about oxen? Isn't he really saying it for our sake? Yes, this is written for our sake, because he who plows ought to plow in hope, and he who threshes should thresh in hope of sharing the crop. As the ox treads out grain, it should be allowed to eat the grain that is treading. Why should we stop the ox from eating the grain that is treading? But Paul is looking beyond what's written there to the heart of the law on display. He's using it to point out this need to provide for leaders in the local church. As someone who's laboring for the sake of the church in Corinth, he's saying that he has a right to have his needs met. Do you see what's being said here? It's very similar to Matthew 6, okay? Matthew 6, consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Is that really just talking about birds? No, it's talking about us. It's talking about our relationship with God. The way that Paul applies Scripture to solve an issue that's not explicitly talked about in Scripture, he's using a somewhat obscure verse here. And he's providing the interpretation of this wisdom principle so that we can see how this new question can be answered. And why not us too? When we read the Bible, why aren't we able to do this as well? Too often, we Christians, we like to say things like, well, I don't see that talked about in the Bible anywhere to justify the things that we do. Too often, we dare others to give us the exact verse the exact verse reference, the number that explicitly points out the exact behavior that we're engaging in. Otherwise, we refuse to listen. Aren't we adults? Aren't we children of God? We've been given wisdom by the Holy Spirit to be able to receive the great mystery of His grace towards us. And yet, because the Bible doesn't say in exact words something about marijuana use, or video game addiction in those exact words, or whatever it is that we keep trying to ignore in our lives. We like to move past it and say that doesn't affect us. 
So how do we apply the wisdom principle here in 1 Corinthians 9 today to our lives? These are Paul's freedoms and his rights, the things that he eats and drinks, the right to a marital relationship and everything that comes along with it, and the right to financial support. And yet he says that he gives them up. He refuses to make full use of his rights in the gospel. Read with me, verses 15 to 18. For my part, I have used none of these rights, nor have I written these things, that they may be applied in my case. For it will be better for me to die than for anyone to deprive me of my boast. For if I preach the gospel, I have no reason to boast, because I am compelled to preach. And woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if unwillingly, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? To preach the gospel and I'll offer it free of charge and not make full use of my rights in the gospel. So why not? Why doesn't he make full use of his rights in the gospel? They're his rights and his freedoms. Paul even wants to make sure that the Corinthians don't take this explanation as this kind of hidden plea to please pay me. He's not saying this. He says that he would rather die than have this happen. Why? Because he loves that he has to sacrifice. He loves doing other work in addition to the ministry that he's engaged with in order to support himself so that he can offer the gospel free of charge. And this is true freedom. For the Corinthians, freedom was not being deprived of what they wanted to take part in. Does this sound like you? Whether that's illicit sex outside of marriage, the Corinthians were asking these questions, or the food or drink that they wanted to consume. This was their freedom. But for Paul, the forfeiture of his freedoms, his rights, this is his boast. This is his reward, and this is his true freedom. Now, why is this true freedom? I don't do the same as Paul here. You know, what he's talking about here in terms of being supported by the church. You guys support me. But again, this is the principle on display here. Why is this true freedom for me too? Would my former workmates, if they saw the way that I live my life, would you, if you saw the way that I live my life, say this is freedom? If I'm drinking non-alcoholic beer, if anything, or if I'm not gambling, if I'm giving up my personal time and my privacy with my family, would you say that that's true freedom? Paul giving up his rights for the sake of the gospel is the gospel. It's an example of the gospel on display. Do you see this? Jesus Christ willingly and gladly gave his life for us that we might live dying upon the cross in our place so that we can take his place in the house of God so we might inherit eternal life. And so the freedom to live as we should the freedom to give up our rights, this is inextricably tied to the gospel itself in our lives and serves as a living witness to the gospel that you preach. Our reward is not in being able to do whatever we want. The Corinthians' reward is not in being able to eat food sacrificed to idols, as we read in 1 Corinthians 8. It's freely abstaining so that the gospel will not be hindered by our lifestyles. This is true freedom. What are the rights and the freedoms that you wish to protect in your life? What are the things that come to mind which might stumble others, 
but you prefer that you could just keep it hidden so you can keep going with it. What are the things that might hinder the work of the gospel? None of us exist as individuals in this Christian life. We're part of the body of Christ together. We're here for a greater purpose than our fun. We're united as one in Jesus. This places a divine call upon our lives in Jesus to live in ways that serve our brothers and sisters. This is the greater purpose. To live in ways that don't look to our individual rights and freedoms, but instead to the furthering of the gospel work for the sake of others. Read with me the last few verses here to finish today. From verse 19. Although I'm free from all and not anyone's slave, I've made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law. Do you understand what he's saying there? To those who are without the law, like one without the law though I am not without God's law, but under the law of Christ, to win those without the law. To the weak I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that I may, by every possible means, save some. Now I do all this because of the gospel, so that I may share in the blessings. Why don't I pray for us? I think the prayer that Andrew shared in the pre-service prayer time is a poignant one. It's a very timely one. If you weren't here for that time, one of the things that he shared was that sometimes we might find it hard to confess, to repent, but we do have a great God. We do have a loving Father who is more than willing to engage with us and to give us new hearts. If this is you, if you struggle to talk about your sin, if you struggle to confess your sin, if you struggle even to talk about your freedoms and to let go of these freedoms for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of our brothers and sisters, why don't you spend some time praying and asking God for this heart? Why don't I give you a moment to pray that? Let's pray.
here tonight, today, and yet still in your heart, you might not want to believe it. You might still want to feel that you are experiencing freedom to do whatever you want to do. If this is the case, why don't you pray a prayer of submission and ask God to help you to submit under Him, under what He's called you to do, that you might be able to experience true Christian freedom. Why don't I give you a moment to pray that, and then I'll pray to finish us off. and repentant people. You long for this all the way from the days of Adam when you gave him a chance to talk about what he did all the way to us now. Even as we talk about confession and repentance now, God. Would you help us by shaping our hearts, God? Give us real hearts of flesh, not these hearts of stone that we might be able to confess whatever sins that we partake in whatever freedoms that we find hard to let go. We want to experience true freedom with you. We don't want to live as those that are tethered to the law. We don't want to live as those that are constantly legalistic or constantly exercising license, but we want to live as children of God. Would you help us, Lord, not to follow the pendulum swing of culture, but would you help us, Lord, to live by your culture? live by the freedom that you set for us. We don't want for our exercise of freedom to stumble anyone else's faith, but we want to live for a greater purpose. We want to live for a greater purpose than just our freedom, than just the fun that we experience in this life. But we want to live, Lord, that others might be able to experience the gospel in full display. We gather to the glory of God and the gospel of grace. Would you help us to experience what this means in our lives day by day? Would you help us, Lord, to let go of whatever freedoms that we might be exercising, that we might experience true freedom in you, that we might experience the true freedom of seeing other people set free from their lives of sin, that they might join us in our family. Lord, we're not individuals in this Christian life, but we're part of the body. And we don't want to live as though we're the most important part of the body doing whatever it is that we do, but we want to live for other parts of this body as well. Would you help us in this endeavor? Change us, change our hearts that we might be able to see who you are as the greatest thing, that we might be able to 
see others' lives, others' faiths as greater than our own. Would you help us to live in this way? Would you help us to love you more than the way that we love our freedoms? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.